When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Week 3 Western Kentucky edition of Know the Reason Why, your land-grant podcast network preview show looking at this Saturday's game between the number 6 Ohio State Buckeyes and the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. My name is Matt Timonini. I'm joined by Justin Golba. Justin, the first two games of this season, no matter how you feel like Ohio State did or did not perform, they haven't exactly been the most exciting games to watch. They were not aesthetically pleasing. However, in this game, even though Ohio State will probably get a little bit more of a challenge, I think just the nature of the Western Kentucky offense is going to make this game a lot more enjoyable just from a pure entertainment standpoint. Yeah, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. This is, you know, against Indiana and especially against Youngstown State, you could see the teams trying to slow the game down, keep Ohio State's offense kind of off the field. And, um, you know, especially take advantage of the new clock rules. Western Kentucky's probably not going to try to do that. They are a team, they play the air raid offense. I think they had the second most pass attempts last year or something to that effect with the same quarterback, Austin Reed. So they like to put the ball in the air. They like to go fast and they like to try to score. So this is going to be, you know, we've kind of talked a lot about the defense and especially the secondary that we think how much they've improved and how good they've looked over the last two games. But this will by far and kind of rolling into next week with Notre Dame, this will be by far the biggest two or the best two passers they've faced so far this year. Yeah, they were number two in the country last year in pass attempts behind Mississippi State. They were number two in the country last year in terms of yards per game behind Washington. They were number one in the country last year in total yards because they played 14 games and Washington only played 13. But also their quarterback, Austin Reed, who you mentioned, is still the quarterback this year. He was number one in the country last year in terms of total yards, number two in yards per game. He averaged 338.9 yards per game last season. So far this year, he has put up 589 total yards with six touchdowns and no interceptions. He's completing over two-thirds of his passes. This will be an offense much different than what Ohio State has seen so far in the first two games. And to be quite honest with you, Justin, like different than pretty much they've seen in a number of years. Now, it's not going to be as good as a Clemson or a Georgia or an Alabama, but it's even different than those teams, which do tend to like to grind out a little bit more on the ground. Now, the Hilltoppers are averaging 122 yards per game on the ground, which gives them some nice balance, but this is very much a a passing team. You mentioned Ohio State's defense has been led by its secondary and so far through two games. They've looked pretty great. The cornerbacks seem to be back to a BIA level status. I think the safeties, there's been a little bit more conjecture about moving parts. When do you have uh, Sonny Styles in what position? Who is that third safety? Is is it Josh Proctor if he's healthy? Do you have Malik Hartford out there? He played one series last week and then essentially got benched. You have Jihad Carter as well. 
but they really haven't faced anything that really tried to test them at all. Justin, what are you going to be looking at against Austin Reed in Western Kentucky early on in this game before we really know the full outcome of what the Hilltoppers are able to do through the air? But what are you going to key on in terms of what the secondary has to do to say that they are up for this challenge, even if it is against a presumed lesser opponent? Yeah, I think the obvious thing is the consistency in the big plays. You know, you saw it last year. They had a knack for giving up the big bombs, obviously, to Michigan. There was, what, four touchdown plays for over 60 yards or something of that effect. And this is a team that Arson Reed is going to throw the ball deep. He's going to throw the ball to everybody. He has an assortment of weapons that he throws it to. They have 16 guys that have a catch this year. So they have a lot of people that he likes to throw the ball to. However, their number one receiver only has 11 catches. So they spread it out. They like to get different guys in and out. They're going to have a lot of fresh legs. So the depth is going to be important. A guy like Jihad Carter who hasn't played much this year is going to play because they're going to need fresh legs. They're going to need to kind of get into their depth and um, and, and just not giving up big plays, especially early. I mean, even against Youngstown State, they gave up that kind of 40-yard pass that set up Youngstown State for their only touchdown. So just limiting the big plays. I know Jim Knowles talked about it this week of, He's kind of like erased those demons from his head or something to that effect. The quote was a little, little weird, but you know, coach speak. So stuff like that, I think as long as they can keep the guys in front of them, Austin Reed's going to complete some passes. They're going to, they're going to move the ball. I, I'm, I'm pretty calm. I don't expect them to completely shut down this offense. I don't think you really can with just the way they play, but keep everybody in front of you and eliminate the the big plays that can really kind of put you into, into peril. Yeah. This is not a team that looks to, score quickly. Um, obviously they are capable of throwing the ball deep, but despite all those numbers that I read off earlier from Austin Reed last season, he was only 41st in the country in terms of yards per attempt at 7.9. So far this season, he is only averaging 7.1 yards per attempt. So even though they are, he has attempted 83 passes this year, he's not chucking it down the field. They do a lot of the quick passing game that essentially simulates um, a lot of stretch runs, a lot of outside runs. So the thing that I'm going to be interested in is seeing how especially the cornerbacks tackle in space, because like you yeah. said, they have a lot of wide receivers. They mix things up. They get a lot of guys on the field at the same time. So if they are able to keep everybody in front of them, uh, and that probably plays right along, and it might be just a different way to say what you said about big plays, but uh, if they're able to tackle in one-on-one isolated instances, or at least slow them down so a safety or a linebacker can come and help depending on where on the field it is. That's going to be the thing that I think is going to say, is this going to be an exciting game because Ohio State is playing well on both sides of the ball? Or is it going to be an exciting game because there's going to be 100 points scored between the two teams? I would much prefer that Ohio State puts up 50 and Western Kentucky puts up 10, then Ohio State puts up 70 and Western Kentucky puts up 30. So I, I don't know about you. Maybe maybe you feel differently, but I, I would much rather see the defense also look really tough, even though they're not going to see a ton of, of teams like this throughout the year. Maybe Maryland. Um, maybe and we'll see what happens if they get to the postseason. But I still would like to see the defense uh, the defensive secondary step up and kind of continue the progression that we've seen through the first two games. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent. I'm still kind of in the camp of people that when it comes to, I know the offense has kind of scared some people the first two weeks. I just assume they're going to figure it out uh, and, until they don't. That's kind of, it's, it was kind of like I always felt uh, about LeBron when it's, I'll count LeBron out when I see it, you know, 
Uh, that's kind of how I feel about this offense. I'll count them out like when they lose or so, something really bad happens. I need to. I, I just want to see the defense keep progressing because that's the issue that you know has plagued them over the years. Well, let me ask you this question about the offense. You expect they will get better. I expect that they will get better as well. What is their ceiling, do you think? Because for me, I don't think there's any chance they're as good as last year, as C.J. Stroud's first year, as Justin Fields' first year. I just don't know that they have the ceiling that either of those teams had. But I do think that they've still got a pretty high ceiling. It might not be great. But I think it can be really good. And and if, like you said, the defense steps up, I don't think it has to be. It might actually come out in a wash or even as a better all-around team, even if the offense is not as prolific as it has been in recent seasons. Yeah, I, I agree that I don't think they'll be like the Stroud or Fields teams just because I don't think McCord is maybe there yet. I do. I, I am interested to see kind of the first game of him knowing he's the starter and maybe not having that look over his shoulder kind of effect. I don't know if he's had it or not, but, you know, it just that I mean, that has to be somewhat of a weight off his shoulders. Honestly, their ceiling as an offense is probably what we saw kind of in the in in the JT Barrett range. You know, I think Barrett was always just so consistent. I, I think a lot of people don't didn't love Barrett just because, you know, I think he had a very he was limited. Yeah. Defined ceiling, I guess you'd say. I love JT Barrett. I was at that Penn State yes. game. Still my favorite game ever. But um you know, I do think, you know, nobody was looking at JT Barron like he's going to be an NFL guy. You did see that with Fields and Stroud. And, um, you know, I, I think that was kind of so that's where I and that's where I think with the with the ceiling being somewhat more limited than usual. Um, that's where I want to see the defense kind of step up, because a lot of those kind of JT Barrett wins was because, you know, they put up 30, 35 points. But the defense, you know, would help hold teams to seven, 10. You know, those defenses were pretty elite as well. So that's something that I'm kind of looking for. In this, because they're going to play, you know, again, next week is a good offense too. So they're going to see two pretty good offenses back to back. And I'm curious to see kind of how, like you said, the tackling in space is definitely going to be the biggest thing because they like to get the ball out quick. They like to move fast. Um, and if they can tackle in space and like just keep the game in front of them, that would be huge. What's interesting about this team is, is you think, okay, they're a team that likes to pass a lot. So chances are they've probably given up quite a few sacks. And because they do like to chuck the ball around, they probably have turned the ball over quite a bit. Well, you would be wrong on both cases because they have not given up a sack this entire season. They are one of seven teams in the country, I believe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven teams that have not allowed a sack through the first two or three, if you're counting uh, week zero, weeks of the season. They also do not have any turnovers. So... When you look at this, you think, okay, Western Kentucky's coming in. They throw the ball a ton. That has to mean a really good chance for Ohio State's defensive line to finally get some sort of pressure on the quarterback, which they've struggled with so far through the first two games of the year. And while just the law of large numbers means that because they're going to pass the ball so much more that Western Kentucky could give up some pressures that we haven't seen Ohio State get against Indiana or Youngstown State. This is probably not a game where the defensive line is going to bust out and end up having 
you know, six, seven sacks, which you might think would be the case when you're playing a lesser talented team that likes to throw the ball a lot. But because of like we've been talking about, they like to get out and get it out of the quarterback's hand quickly. That's not necessarily something that is probably going to happen. Although if it does, I will be very happy because that is one of the uh, to me, that's the biggest issue on the defense that we've seen so far this year and one of the bigger issues on the team. So if they can do it against Western Kentucky, great, but I'm certainly not expecting it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Austin Reed against a kind of power five defense. He's only ever played two. They played Indiana last year and they played Auburn. And in those games, he had four touchdowns and three picks. So in his 11 career interceptions in 16 games, he has three of them in two games. And those are against the only two power five teams he's played. So it'll be interesting to see kind of he's not a guy that makes mistakes. But when he does, it's obvious. I mean, it makes sense. You make your mistakes against better teams. Uh, It'll be interesting to see kind of if they can maybe early on get a pick or at least maybe get close to something to maybe throw him off a little bit of his game. And obviously anytime you're a, a, a smaller opponent coming into a big atmosphere, like Ohio state, you know, the bright lights can hit you pretty quick. Although he is 23 years old. So he's a, he's a pretty mature quarterback, even though he's only played one year. Cause he sat behind Bailey Zappi for two years. Yeah. So far this season, they have beaten um, South Florida, 41 to 24. And then last week they beat Houston Baptist 52 to 22. Houston Baptist is a, uh, uh, is an FCS school. So not huge competition so far this year. So obviously they're putting up good numbers, averaging 327 yards passing through the air, 122 yards on the ground. But like Ohio state, they really haven't played any, any competition of note. Ohio state playing Indiana obviously is a, a step up over South Florida, but it will be interesting. I think the fact that they have generated five turnovers uh, or five takeaways, but not given up any is, is interesting. I think that this is a game where Jim Knowles's desire to be aggressive can, can really either break or benefit the defense. We saw it with all of the big plays last year that they gave up and they've been really focused on not giving up those big plays. And I think some of those big plays were scheme. I also think some of those big plays were poor execution by guys who just weren't there. I think they are there, uh, maybe not completely, but I think they're there far more this year. So if they can be a little bit more aggressive, get their faces in the wide receivers a little bit more than they have uh, in, in recent seasons and and kind of play a, a more aggressive attacking style of defense, especially in the secondary, but even more so on the defensive line, that this could be a really good test. Uh, again, I'm not expecting Western Kentucky's offense to be as good as uh, somebody they might face in a New Year's Six Bowl or, or, or college football playoff game, but I think it shows where some of the progress that we've seen in the first two games on defense, whether or not it is real or whether it was a figment of the underwhelming passing attacks that they saw in the first two weeks. Yeah. And this is, it's just like one of those perfect warm up games because I don't really see a scenario they lose tomorrow. You know, I mean, you just said it. They gave up Western Kentucky's defense yeah. gave up 22 to Houston Baptist. I'm going to assume Ohio State's going to be able to put some points on the board here. Uh, so I, I would assume they're going to win pretty handedly. However, Western Kentucky's offense is good enough to expose any weaknesses they might have. Well, I don't think Indiana's offense might be down the road, but they were not, they didn't have their quarterback situation figured out and they had no idea what they were doing in game one. And then obviously Youngstown state just isn't that good. So it might be able to expose some weaknesses you have going into Notre Dame next week. 
because Notre Dame is good enough on defense to slow you down a little bit, as we saw last year and as they've proven so far this year. So it'll be nice to see, you know, if if there is something specific that they're missing. Obviously, a lot of people would point to the pass rush and whatnot um, and and maybe be able to kind of plug those holes, for lack of a better word, you know, in a, in a week. Well, I think it's a perfect it's perfectly timed because you're going up against Sam Hartman, who is going to be the best quarterback you face until at well, no, I won't say that. Because I do think they actually play some pretty good quarterbacks. After a bye following the Notre Dame game, they do play to Aliyah Tungavaloa and Maryland. Then they've got I was gonna say until Penn State with Drew Aller. Um but Sam Hartman, I think, is better than Drew Aller just by virtue of experience. Yeah. And so really yeah, I think I'll say it. I, I think he is the best quarterback that you are going to play all season. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tuli is I, I enjoy him. I think he's fun to watch. I think that Maryland offense is fun to watch. Um, he's not as good as Sam Hartman. Um, Drew Aller, I think, will eventually be better than anybody Ohio State faces this year in the regular season. But it's his first year starting and this will be his first big road game. So even though he has a lot of energy probably coming back to his home state of Ohio, He's not going to be as good as Sam Hartman. And J.J. McCarthy, I think, is a really he's more to be honest with you. I view him much more in the J.T. Barrett model of quarterback where he's a a good leader of games and he can put up some good numbers at times. But he's not going to overwhelm you you with his athleticism uh, or or with his with his skills. I do think he's a pretty good athlete. So I, I think Sam Hartman coming up next week. Is, this is perfectly time to kind of like get that defense ready, even though there are different offenses, but at least finally after Indiana uh, and Youngstown State gives you somebody that you can actually use as a measuring stick for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I just I 100% agree. All right, well, let's switch over and talk a little bit about Ohio State's offense versus Western Kentucky's defense. Again, Western Kentucky not done, uh, not faced anybody super impressive. And their numbers are really weird. They've only allowed 189 and a half yards passing per game, but they've given up 267 yards on the ground per contest. So if you're doing the math at home, that's over 530 yards on the ground that they've given up through two games. And Ohio State obviously is still going to be a pass first team. I don't think they're going to look at the Hilltoppers defense and be like, well, man, we better we better take the air out of the ball and just run it. They're not going to do that. But I do wonder if it gives them the opportunity to really try to get that offensive line some good reps running the ball because they're going to need it against Notre Dame. You can't expect to be one dimensional and, and face a team like the Irish and and, and be successful without a stud at quarterback. And I think Kyle McCord, like I said, is good. He's not CJ Stroud. He's not um, Justin Fields. So if they can get that offensive line, some good reps, get Travion Henderson, especially, but also Chip Trainum. And we're not sure how healthy Mayan Williams is at this point yet. But if you can get that offensive line, the opportunity to really work on some of the things that, that have been a problem, I think that this is a really good opportunity for them as well. Yeah, it's kind of just back to the same point as the defense. It's kind of just a good little bit of a measuring stick. Let your offensive line, you know, run the ball a little more. Let them try to get it right because the Notre Dame defense is has looked very, very good over the past uh, couple of weeks. They haven't played anybody of huge note, but I do think NC State's offense is at least better than average. Um, so 
you know, Brandon Armstrong is a better than average quarterback, probably. So they've at least had some type of competition they've played and they've looked good. So, um, yeah, they're going to be able to, I think the offensive line has the talent. I do think it's still there. It's just, we haven't quite seen much, much of it over the last two games. And, um, and again, it's Youngstown state, you know, maybe I know a lot of people like to say like, you don't show your whole playbook. I don't really buy into that too much. I think that, not at all. you know, there's, I think there's enough tape on everybody to know everything at this point. Um, I mean, Ryan Day has been a play caller for like four years now. People kind of know what he's going to do, whether it's the Youngstown State game or not. Uh, so I, I think it's I think it's one of those things where you just have to get them the reps. You have to get them the snaps. They're young. They're new. There's a lot of a lot of possible production there that you just have to kind of get right. And I've kind of said it since the beginning. I'm just glad the Notre Dame game wasn't the first game this year because they've had time to work out some kinks, work out some stuff, and. And this game is, you know, the last one before they get a chance to go to South Bend and you know, put it all put it all to the test because that's the last chance you get. I'm looking at this game as like a perfectly timed opportunity for Ohio State to work on a lot of different things. And the thing that I'm really interested in is to see what Kyle McCord can do if he is given the full allotment of reps with the ones during the week. They are giving him a little bit more of the playbook because I think if you saw throughout the first two games, obviously they weren't running the same plays for Kyle McCord as they were for Devin Brown, which means they probably had, a you know, they had to split the time as to what they were installing throughout the week. So do we see a little bit more from the play calling in terms of the diversity of passing plays that Kyle McCord is allowed to operate? Are we going to see him open it up a little bit more in terms of the creativity, the pushing it downfield, the the screen game, the over the middle. I, I would like to assume that while I agree with you, it's not a situation where we used to say this all the time with like Urban Meyer. Oh, well, the offense looks bad because he's just holding things back for later. Nah, that's like literally never happened. Uh, people like to say it all the time. And obviously, you install more things as the season goes on, but like you're not holding things back if you're looking bad and the offense hasn't looked bad, but they certainly haven't looked great. Um, but I do think that there is something to be said for like now that he's the starter, the offense is completely tailored towards him where it had been split between the two guys. So I'm interested to see if against the defense that again, admittedly against not great competition has played against the past fairly well this year. Again, they have three interceptions, on the season through two games. If he gets an opportunity to do a little bit more, again, not a great defense, but someone that'll at least present some sort of challenge more so than at least Youngstown State did. And not as good as, they're not going to be as good as Indiana, but it, it, it'll be an interesting uh, opportunity to see a little bit more of what Kyle McCord official QB1 looks like. Yeah, and I like, I like what you said about like kind of opening it up a little bit more and even to the extent of, you know, maybe take some more chances deep because you're not looking over your shoulder at, you know, am I going to get pulled? That was why yeah. after the Indiana game, I said, even if it was Ryan's day's plan to put Devin Brown in at that exact moment, I hated that it was after an interception because it looked like Kyle McCord made one mistake. Okay. It's this guy's turn. And that's where you get tricky. And that's where McCord can get in his own head. Now that he knows, okay, I'm the starter now moving forward. I don't think that's going to change. It could change maybe down the road. I don't think it's going to change after one game. So he can maybe open up a little more, take a little more chances, be a little more free with the football and just see what kind of true arm talent he has. Because I don't think 
we've seen the full capabilities of Kyle McCord yet, whether that's obviously just him being only a starter for two games. I, I mean, a good example is the guy that Ohio State fans keep clamoring to have back, which is Quinn Ewers. Last year, didn't look that good. He was the one of the worst passers of the ball 15 yards or more down the field mm-hmm. in the entire Power Five. This year, that is fixed. He has an incredible deep ball from what we saw against Bama. So you just got to let these guys get some reps, get some time, get some you know, comfortability. Obviously, McCord has it a little bit packed in already with Harrison because they played in high school. So they kind of have that chemistry already, but he's still getting with Egbuka and Fleming and Cardinal Tate, who's a freshman. You know, so he he's still getting his feet wet. So you just have to let these guys get the reps. As you said, he's got more reps with the ones now, and he's just more comfortable. And that's that's going to be – I think you're going to see that in this game. I think they'll take more deep chances. I think he'll just be able to kind of open it up a little more and be a little more free. And it might lead to a mistake or two. Who knows? But you got to make them. You know, you got to learn. Yeah, I, I'm totally fine if he throws an interception, overthrows a guy, tries to squeeze thing in a window uh, that's not there. If he is taking chances. Like, yeah. I, I don't think you want to be I'm not a huge fan of like the gunslinger riverboat gambler kind of kind of thing. Like, I, I think that aggression is good, but I don't want you just going out there and throwing it willy nilly. But, you know, trust what you see. Trust your arm. Know yourself and and do things the right way while trying to get the most out of your obvious talent advantage. Whoever Ohio State plays. Literally, the entire regular season, including Penn State, including Michigan, you are a more talented team, at least in the metrics that we know how to use for college football. Use it. Take advantage of it. And you might have to pull back a little bit more when you play a Notre Dame, a Penn State, a Michigan. Not against Western Kentucky. So take advantage of that. Go go out and, and push things a little bit and see what happens here. Yeah, and I also think, you know, to your point of a talent gap, you also, no matter who you play, no matter at all, at any point, at any time, at any point in a game this season, you are going to have the most talented. Re- you will have a receiver over cornerback advantage because you have the two best yeah. in the country. And I don't think there's a corner that can match up with Marvin Harrison 101, probably not even Ekbuka. So trust your receivers. Obviously, McCord knows how good Harrison is. He's seen him for the past six years now. So just, try, you know, if you got to put a ball up in the air, put a ball up in the air and let him go get it. You know, we've seen that these guys just how good they are and um and and that that's what i think is is going to be to his benefit moving forward you're not you don't have to put the ball in these crazy windows normally because harrison and ibuka are two of the best route runners i've really ever seen so you should be okay all right let's wrap up this episode here justin what is your prediction for this game so kind of to your point about um how western kentucky's defense i do think we're going to see a little bit more explosiveness from Travion Henderson. He was kind of teasing it in the Yokestown State game. He had a couple, like, close to big runs. He had a hurdle for, like, two yards, which was kind of funny. But um, I think Henderson, kind of back to my original prediction, which was three touchdowns in the Indiana game, he had none. Um, I'm going to predict Travion Henderson breaks the 100-yard mark, uh, which he hasn't done in a while. So he only has 107 yards rushing on the season. So I think he'll break the 100-yard mark, and I also think they'll win I'll say 55. I will say 55 to 21. I do think Western Kentucky will put up some points. I don't think it'll be anything crazy, but one or two just consistent drives down the field where they where they end up getting the ball in the end zone. Uh, I like the pick on Travion. We mentioned how many rushing yards that they've given up on the ground. So I, I think that that's a good opportunity. I do hope that Ryan Day eventually kind of settles on 
Travion Henderson being the number one back. He has said that, but even in this past game, he got fewer carries than either Mayan Williams or 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 uh, Chip Trainum. Now it was like six six five, so it was almost an equal split. But he's your number one back, and I get it. It was against Youngstown State. The game was it was always in hand. But use him. I, I I know that last year he was injured all season. Um, but but use him. I, I would like to see the weapon that he can become uh, because we've seen it and we know he's capable of it and we know he wants to do it. Um, I'm going to go I'm going to go forty nine to ten um, and I reserve the right to change this. I'll have my official prediction on the tailgate podcast tomorrow morning, but I'll go. I think I'm going to go forty nine to ten give them the benefit of the doubt of having a touchdown. Something will break loose. They'll have some sort of drive and have another one that gets close enough where they take the field goal probably earlier in the game than not. That would, that would be a cover, but I think it would be an under if you're betting. Um, I think the the line was 27 and a half when it opened. I don't remember what the over under is, but I don't think it was, uh, I think it was in the sixties. So that would be, would be underneath. So, We'll see what happens, Justin. Um, I'm looking forward to this game. I think it'll be exciting, especially because the rest of the college football slate on Saturday is not very good. So I'm hoping that this game will at oh, least bad. be. Yeah, I, I'm hoping this game will at least be entertaining to get us through week three, week four, all bangers, uh, all yeah. bangers. Like every single game in week four is incredible. But this week, a little thinner. So I'm hoping at least this game, which has a weird 4 p.m. start time. Uh, I'm hoping this one is at least is is at least something that we can we can enjoy from an aesthetic standpoint. Is that a Fox thing? The 4 p.m. start time? I think so. I think they've done it before. I don't know. It's not all the. It's not every Fox game because I'm I'm pretty sure last week's game was a um, Fox game was a 3:30. Um, I don't remember. Yeah. Exactly, I don't remember exactly who that was. Was that? Uh, was was Nebraska Colorado at three thirty or were they? That was the noon game because the big noon kickoff was there. Yeah. Well, they're going to be they're going to be there this uh, this week as well, and that's a ten p.m. game. So yeah, I, th- I think I think they've just I think they've just booked a hotel in Boulder for until about January. <laughs> yeah, they've been there the first three three weeks, and I'll blame them for next. Like you said, Saturday slate is so bad. Alabama travels to South Florida. I don't know what Nick's cooking up there, but yeah. Um, I mean, that's a recruiting thing. I have no idea, but that's hilarious. It's very strange. It's a weird schedule. Yeah, very strange all around. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Know the Reason Why. If you want to follow the Land Grant Podcast Network on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Land Grant Pods. If you want to follow Land Grant Holy Land, you can do so at Land Grant 33. You can follow me on social media, even though I'm not on there as much as I used to be. Uh, you can do that at BWW Matt. Justin, you went away from social media or at least uh, Twitter, but now you're back a little bit more at Justin underscore Golba. And you run our uh, Ohio State Men's Basketball Podcast Twitter account at Bucketheads LGPN. We're getting close. Like we're less than two months away from men's college basketball season kicking off. Oh yeah, we had a. I'm actually the article that I'll have tomorrow is about the recruiting visits that they all that went really well for Ohio State on the first game at Youngstown State, and then we'll be starting our team and player previews. So it's it's right around the corner. It's, it's this is the fun time where we, you know it's, you start to feel it a little bit, and then the nervous time comes when they start to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
It's always nervous when it comes to Ohio State men's basketball. The, <laughs> never the hashtag Ohio State men's basketball experience never fails to be entertaining. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Have a good time on Saturday. And as always, go Bucks.